0: You're listening to the Audacious Church podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up, and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. All right, we're looking at the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Why did the Christian cross The road, And I want to suggest today there's something about the way the good Samaritan carried himself that meant that his heart was conducive to help somebody on the other side. Today I'm going to preach on two heart postures. And I want to share this verse to open up. It's found in Luke 16 verse 33. Jesus speaking, But when a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The message version says it like this, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. There's something about the way he traveled that meant his heart was conducive to going out to somebody else. Today's message is called survival or discovery. Survival or discovery. Survival or discovery. Survival kills vision. There is no vision with survival. Because all you're thinking about is yourself, is how you make it through, is how you just get by. But with discovery, there's vision because you live with hope, anticipation, excitement, possibility because your eyes are no longer on your own circumstance, but are out there discovering the opportunities that God has for you. And God has called us today not to live in survival mode, but to live in discovery mode. With hide and seek, there's two different perspectives, isn't there? Two different perspectives. When when you're a child, you wanna hide to never be found again, don't you? I remember growing up, we would play hide and seek all the time. I wasn't so good at football. I wasn't so good on the BMX, I wasn't so good at swing ball, but hide and seek, I was good at hide and seek. I was so good at hide and seek, one of the spots I would hide at in the estate, I even give it a name, a code name, from me and the lads who would hide together so that the chasers wouldn't know where we were. It was called Fred. We would say, lads, let's go hide in Fred. So we'd go to Fred, we'd hide there. And turns out that Fred, the secret location, was just in some hedges in somebody's poor garden. That poor soul, a bunch of lads hiding in their hedge, in their garden for two hours at a time. Back when there was no mobile phones, what did we do sitting in a hedge for two hours? whispering at people walking by, strangers thinking they were having a Moses in the burning bush moment as they hear a voice coming from the hedge. We loved hiding to never be found. But then as an adult, you hide to be found, don't you? You hide things to be found. Lizandra and I, one of our first Valentine's Day, I wrote her loads of postcards and hid them around the city center and we went out and found them in little places. It's just a a little romantic gesture on Valentine's night. And we weren't going out there and I wasn't thinking oh I hope Lysandri doesn't find these this is the game hide and seek no I wanted Lysandri to find them and you know too as a parent when you've got a toddler and you're playing hide and seek you hide in the most ridiculous places to be seen don't you you're hiding behind the curtain and you're sticking your feet out intentionally just so your child can find you there's two totally different perspectives And Proverbs 25 verse two says, it's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. And I wanna suggest today, God's not hiding things from you, but God's hiding things for you. And we've all had times, if we're honest, where we've spoken the language of survival and not the language of discovery. Survival mode says, Oh, but nobody's invited me for a coffee yet in this church. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Survival mode. Discovery mode says, I'm going to invite somebody out to my house for a coffee. Who knows? They could be my best friend. Survival mode says, well, nobody left an inheritance for me. Discovery mode says I'm gonna find a way to leave an inheritance for my grandkids. Survival mode says my confinement is my assignment, but discovery mode says my confinement will be my refinement and I will get better, stronger, and sharper. Survival mode says God is hiding things from us, but discovery mode says God is hiding things for us. And today, Audacious Church, God hasn't called us to live in survival mode, but God has called us to live in discovery. We were born to discover. I want to suggest three different heart postures today to do a deep dive on perhaps what was going on in the Samaritan's heart. The first one is inspiration or intimidation, inspiration or intimidation. Discovery is inspiration. Survival is intimidation. The Bible says this, we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 18, verses six through eight. It says this, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David, even better, has slain his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Saul should have been inspired by David. David. David is his greatest warrior, his man on the front line. He's exhibiting bravery, courage. He's taking ground for the Israelites. He's just defeated Goliath. and won a victory over the Philistines. Saul should have been inspired by David. But we pick up this story where they come back to town back in the city and everybody's singing and they're singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. See, that's not even true. It's fake news. Because David's killed Goliath, one man. It's not even true. They're singing this song and Saul suddenly gets filled with insecurity, filled with paranoia, filled with intimidation because of the songs that they were singing that weren't even true. And then Saul doom spirals and starts asking the question, well, what more can David get except the kingdom? In other words, David's coming after my crown. Saul should have been inspired, but he chose to live intimidated. A couple weeks ago, we were at the Assemblies of God conference. It was an incredible couple of days together. And we took Zena with us, who at the time was five weeks old. Everybody told us we were crazy, but we said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So she is probably the youngest to have ever been to AOG Conference. or definitely in the top five, let's say that. But we were at AOG Conference having an incredible time. And there's this really awkward moment that took place as we were sitting in the hotel bar area, I had just come back in Lysandria along with Corley, our Sheffield campus pastor, who's got a seven-week-year-old child there feeding the children. And over comes this lady who doesn't speak any English. And she starts touching Lysandria's shirt as she's feeding and getting very close in person. It was very awkward. It was really like, it's not okay culturally for us. We were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, isn't okay. There was a translator there. We spoke to her and tried to get the issue sorted and she went back to her seat and we're like, wow, that was such like an awkward moment for us, wasn't it? And then when we were in the session thinking about the breakout session that we'd go to after, we were looking down the list and I'd seen this session called Courage and it was by a lady called Hey Woo. And the lady who was inappropriately connecting with us, for lack of a better phrase, was Korean. I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if this is the same lady, how crazy would it be? Your mind goes to a million places. And then I click the link, and up pops the Open Doors website where you have a photo of the side of her head where she's a North Korean Christian who started church in a labor camp in North Korea. And we're looking at that, and I'm looking at Lisandre saying, wow, she's got a story. We've got to go and hear this story. Now in this moment, we could have chose to live in intimidation or inspiration. We could have chose to live in the camp of offense and say, there's no way we're going to her session after what she did to us. We chose to live in discovery mode, not to live intimidated, but inspired and said, let's go and see. Maybe God's got something for us here. We go to the session. Unbelievable, makes you think you don't even love Jesus. Oh my goodness. Was in 10 labor camps. Her daughter died during the famine of North Korea hard labor after hard labor, God speaks to her and challenges her to give away two thirds of her portion of rotten corn that they have once a day from me. She gives them away because she's got such a compassion for people. So she's living for three years off a third of a portion of rotten corn and says, but I never felt hungry because God was my sustenance. Wow. We're in this moment here in these stories about how then she was sitting, she was in the toilets in a queue and they were doing church. As people were walking by who genuinely needed to go to the toilet they jumped them to the front of the queue and they all stood there and held hands and prayed before the work shift and she led people to the lord incredible moment what gets better than that is she sees us and she notices us and calls us to the front and turns out she loves babies has a deep love for babies and she asked if she could pray for Zena, whose name means defender of mankind so we're in this moment where the only people who've held her and prayed for her are Lisandra and I, and this beautiful elderly lady who lived in a North Korean labor camp serving the Lord. prays for our little daughter. An incredibly precious and beautiful moment. As she then takes a picture of Zena. We couldn't take a picture for her because of her, because she's got family still in North Korea. And you know, if they found out, she'd get in trouble. This beautiful moment where God brought a full circle around because we chose not to live in survival, not to live in intimidation, but to live in inspiration and discovery. And I want to ask you today, Audacious Church, when you live intimidated, let me tell you this, you awaken insecurity, fear, doubt, self-fulfilling prophecy. But when you awaken insecurity, inspiration, you awaken vision, dreams, miracles, possibility, hope, courage. And what is it today that you're intimidated by that God wants you to be inspired by? Because if God can do it to them, God can do it to you. If God can do it through them, God can do it through you. If God can build it in them, then God can build it in you. You make a decision today, church, not to live in survival mode, but to live in discovery, not existing in intimidation, but existing in inspiration. You were born to discover. The second heart posture I want to share about is opportunity or hard work. Opportunity or hard work. Don't see hard work, see an opportunity. Numbers 13. Verses 26 to 30 says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They give Moses this account. So Moses has sent 12 spies out to scout out the promised land. They said, we went to the land to which you sent us and it does indeed flow with milk and honey as you say. It's true. Here is its fruit but the people here are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large, hard work, survival mode. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites living in the Geb, the Hittites, they just give a list of people that are against them. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb seeing opportunity, living in discovery mode. Two spies saw the opportunity that God had placed in front of them. all 10 spies seen on the other side was hard work. They were both right. It was hard work and opportunity but 10 chose to live in the framework, the psyche, the perspective of hard work. Whereas two chose to see with vision and with faith and with possibility and with opportunity. They are stronger than we are. Survival mode. We can certainly do it. Discovery mode. And I wonder if when you're presented with vision, what is your reply? Is your reply, oh, but the time it'll cost. The finance it will cost the energy it will cost the investment will cost or is your first response to see with vision and to see with opportunity if your first thought is opportunity you're living in discovery mode but if your first thought is we can't do it here's the reasons why you're living in survival mode Thomas Edison says it like this, most people miss opportunities because he becomes dressed in overalls, disguised as hard work. If it matters to you, you'll find a way, but if it doesn't matter to you, you'll find an excuse. And with opportunity, we need to take the prescription of vision, which is discovery, and choose to live as visionary people. Vision is critical for us as Christians, as followers of God, because vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Vision articulates possibility. Vision doesn't live within the confines of what is. Vision exists within the parameters of what could be. And as followers of God, moving forward, we've got to live with vision. Vision acknowledges the hard work, but embraces the opportunity. If you look at others' as hard work, you'll never cross over as the Good Samaritan did to administer aid to help the sick to volunteer, because all you'll see is hard work. Was it an inconvenience for the Samaritan? Absolutely. Did it take him out of his way? Absolutely. Did it cost him something? Yes, because he didn't just give the man it, He took him to an inn. We'll hear about this in a couple weeks. Took him to an inn and paid to look after him. Of course, it was an inconvenience, but he wasn't living in survival mode. He was living in discovery mode. And now, Thousands of years later, we tell the stories of the parables because good work leaves a legacy in its stories for the next generations. Here's what the Bible says, Psalm 121 verse one, "'I lift my eyes up to the hills, where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth Philippians 4:13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength so if you feel like you've got to do this on your own ability good news for you today because when you choose to embrace opportunity God fills us with his holy Spirit God pours out his portion and his strength to one another so we're no longer operating in our flesh nature limited by our own ability but we're operating in our spirit man able to to do all things through God who gives us strength, but we can't do that if all we see is hard work. We've got to see the opportunity and live in discovery mode. You were born to discover, you were born to discover. The last heart posture we've got to get right and work out, or we'll never be able to help another. It's character or compromise. Character or compromise, a choice we've gotta make. 2 Kings 6.25 says, "'There was a great famine in the city. "'The siege lasted so long "'that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver "'and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels.'" Tim, you could probably tell us what that is. You love the garden and I have no idea. There's something about being under pressure that forces you into survival mode which can lead to compromise. We justify things by doing things that we said we'd never we'd never think about doing. You'd never eat a donkey's head in normal circumstances, would you? But suddenly the siege created an environment where no longer people were living by character, instead they were living under compromise. But then you talk yourself into it because of the pressures of what's around. Happened again to Peter in Luke 22, verse 60. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Peter said he would never deny Jesus, but the environment that was around him caused him to compromise his character. And I wonder today, church, where is it that we're compromising our integrity and our character? What are the environments, the pressures that are causing us to compromise who we are? Because we'll never be able to help another if our lives are in turmoil. If on the outside, says one thing but on the inside there's turmoil. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, three people we hear about in the Old Testament. They were persecuted for their faith in God. They were thrown into a fire because they chose not to bow down to the king, to the image, the idol, but to stand up for God. They had a moment where it would have been easy to compromise their character but they chose to They chose integrity to stay true to who they were. And what happened is incredible. They walked into the fire and the fire did not consume them. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar turned the fire up seven times hotter than it usually was, didn't consume them. But as he looked into the fire, Nebuchadnezzar said, he's seen like the son of the gods walking alongside them. Did you know in your moments where it's easy to compromise, God wants to walk alongside you? When you stand strong in those moments where it feels like all the pressure on the world is on your shoulders, you can give it to God, Jesus says, cast your burdens on the Lord and He'll take care of you, side note. But when you feel like the pressure is on your shoulders, taking you down, weighing you down, choosing those moments not to compromise who you are, but choose to stay true to the Word of God and who He has called you to be. Because when you step into that territory, you enter discovery mode and God comes from heaven, enters in on your behalf and starts to do miracles in you, through you and around you, but not if you compromise only if you stay true to who he's called you to be. Today, church, we've gotta make a decision in our lives to be people who are filled with faith, filled with confidence, filled with determination, filled with character, so that when the opportunity comes calling, we don't default to survival mode, but we live in discovery mode. Today, there's a whole room full of people and we all get this beautiful opportunity to align our heart postures with the Father. To say, God, I choose to not live under a yoke of intimidation. I choose to live in inspiration. God, I choose not to see the hard work. Although it's there, I choose to see the opportunity. God, I know it's tough, but I'm not going to compromise who I am. I'm going to stay true to who you've called me to be in your word. I will live as a man, a woman of character. How do I get out of survival mode? Four things really quick four things you can do. Take notes, if you're not taking notes, you'll need this one day. You might be in discovery right now. Love and life, things are good. Jesus, great. Love church, love people, no problems. But one day you'll need this, four things. The first is encounter the Holy Spirit. Encounter the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, At Pentecost, when they were filled with power, they were no longer operating on their own ability, their own flesh, they were operating in the Spirit. When you're in survival mode, you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Second thing is have holy friends. Have holy friends. Not just good enough to have anybody's, but have holy friends. You can have anybody's. We need anybody's, everybody's somebody's as friends. Call to reach them. But we need to have holy friends. Acts 2.14. Peter stands up with the eleven in a moment of faith. Not on his own, but surrounded by mates. God's called you to some things that you can't do on your own. But you need to be surrounded by good mates for us. That's why we got small groups so important. Third thing is attempt the impossible attempt the impossible. Matthew 14, Peter walks on water. You're not called to live a normal life, an ordinary life, an average life. You're called for the future of your family and the generations to come to leave a legacy of stepping out in faith for God. We are here today because seven years ago, a group of individuals decided to do the impossible. You can't build a church in Chester. There's too many churches, there's nobody to reach. You've got no finances, you don't have team. Well, look at us now. We made it here and one day, when we are in a bigger building, we're in a new campus, a new location from this place, but to look back and praise God because we attempted the impossible. In your work, attempt the impossible. Just give it a go, just give it a go. Don't take your dreams to the graveyard. Give it a go, give it a go. Last thing is help someone else, help somebody else. Something changes on the inside when you extend a hand of help and support and faith and encouragement don't have to have it all worked out all in order everybody can help somebody and something will change on the inside when you choose not to live for yourself in survival mode but choose to live for somebody else in discovery mode it's the whole gospel the Whole gospel. you were born to discover thank you for listening to this audacious podcast for any more information visit us online audaciouschurch.com We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.